0: this is Pastor Dan. The sermon recording for January the 19th did not happen. It was uh, a malfunction of the recording equipment, but the response to the message was significant on the part of those who were present. And so in order to help you who listen on the podcast or who perhaps missed that sunday i would like to read the sermon notes to you now it won't be the same uh vibe that you get when you're there and you know in worship and preaching that's just kind of how it goes down i i know um, from a lot of experience. So I would just say to you that I believe the message has an anointing on it and that there's something special for you to hear. And it conveys just as well through the notes. And uh, so without any further explanation, here's the replacement for the Sunday sermon recording from January 19th, 2020. Our scripture passage is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-9, to 9, which reads, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith equal, of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, we say that every week after we read the scripture because it's a church tradition. But it's a tradition I like to carry on because it's important that we understand and are grateful for the gift of the Bible. Uh, It is incredible how much the Bible means to us and what a remarkable history it has uh, so that we could have the very heart and mind of God expressed to us in the palm of our hand. And it is good to give thanks to God for the expression of God's message and the very heart and mind of God. We say that because that's what the word Logos means, and Logos is translated in particular in the Gospel of John as the Word with a capital W. So I'm a very serious fan of the old-time radio shows. I I am a a daily listener to the old-time radio shows from the 1920s through the early 1950s. And these radio programs were the principal form of entertainment for people in that era, which was called the golden age of radio. It is a a time before televisions, which I imagine some of my listeners can't imagine. But in those days, you sat by the radio and you listened to the program and imagined the characters. Now, as i was growing up a child of the early 60s and beyond i was familiar with most of these radio stars because they had transitioned to television and many of their bits and and uh, and their sketches had been translated to television as well but uh, So growing up watching all of these people, and then as an adult listening daily to their radio programs, I've become a real fan and, of uh, certain characters. And of course, you know, Red Skelton of Indiana is one of my favorites. He was born in Vincennes, not far from here, and uh, began his career there. And he was known for a series of characters that he portrayed. And one of them I want to share with you today was called the Mean Whittle Kid. The Mean Whittle Kid. And whenever he got caught doing something rotten, he declared, The devil made me do it. Now, most church-going folks would say that there are, for the most part, godly persons that they are, for the most part, godly persons. And nevertheless, we all get caught sometimes, if only by our own conscience, and declare, the devil made me do it, in one way or another. If the truth be told, we have to admit that, just like Eve and Adam, the devil may have been the tempter, and may have helped make the action easier, but at the end of the day, the thought and the action was our own. The devil can't really make you sin, but he sure can make it easy for you. Now, if we measure our godliness according to human standards, we will most likely keep a mental record of the things that we think we've done right and those we feel that we've done wrong. And Most likely, we like to shave the points off the wrongs in times of doubt. So, what is godliness then? Well, Peter's introduction indicates that he is a servant of Jesus Christ and that he is writing to those who are equal to him because of their shared faith that is acquired through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The key to godliness, as Peter will go on to define it, is to have total faith in Jesus Christ and to be his servant. Simply stated, he is writing to those who honor Christ as Savior and Lord. Divine power pertaining to life and godliness is given through the knowledge of the one who calls believers to walk in his glory and excellence. As as if that were not enough, the same one expects believers to become partakers in the divine nature. In this way, believers escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. If so much glory, excellence, and power are available to us, then why are we so prone to give in to our uh, fleshly desires? Perhaps it's because we're not partaking of the divine food that's been set before us. When the mean little kid didn't like the food his mommy gave him, he refused to eat it, even orchestrating complex and humorous efforts to get rid of it. Now, would a believer react that way to the divine food that the Lord puts on the table? To the non-believer whose heart is not entirely closed The Lord's offering begins with an aroma of something good that he or she has never sensed before. God's grace is all around, enticing and inviting. And when the non-believer investigates the source of the aroma, he finds a table containing a basin and towel, oil, bread, and wine. The basin and towel are for cleansing and the oil is for refreshing. The bread is forgiveness of the flesh. And the wine is the blood of new life. The mitigating grace of God, the Creator and Master of all, is freely given to the one who will partake. The first step toward godliness is to absorb all that Christ is into your flesh, and then to be washed by the blood of redemption and to become a new creature. It is to be dependent upon Christ alone for salvation from sin, from sin's power and its resulting death. It is to be spared from God's justified wrath because of the blood of the Lamb of God that transforms one's appearance before God from sinner to saint. To receive the divine power, knowledge, glory, and excellence, one must repent of sin, accept God's gift of grace through Jesus Christ, embrace a new life in the Holy Spirit, and become a partaker in the divine nature. Now, when I was young, learning auto body repair was an essential skill, especially for boys. In those days, automobiles were more prone to rust than they are now. Rust is like a corrupting cancer that will spread across metal surfaces until they are completely consumed, unless it is stopped by an external action. A typical teenager's price range assured him of purchasing a car with rusted rocker and quarter panels. For looks and structural integrity to be improved, one had to cut away the rusted areas, grind away remaining rust, repair or replace the corrupted areas, and then repaint it all. The cure for the corruption was a radical transformation of the affected area. And when Peter says the believer has escaped from the world's corruption that is caused by sinful desire, he is describing something like rust. It will eventually consume its host if nothing is done to stop it. The Apostle Paul called the corruption the law of sin and death. He said the believer is set free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Romans 8, 1-2 Accepting Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord rust-proofs the believer against corruption. Sin has no power. However, there is still damage to deal with. Past corruption left places that must be cut away, repaired, smoothed, and repainted. Being partakers in the divine nature means to join with God in what God is already doing. God set the table, and the believer partook of the sacred meal. God canceled the power of sin, and the believer partakes of the grace. God sent the divine power for godliness, and the believer partakes. God supplies knowledge, and with it, the believer's faith is supplemented with virtue that the believer must partake in. God supplies the teachers and the elders whom the believer must listen to and observe. When I was 16, I had to learn how to repair my rusty old pickup truck and then acquire the skills to do so. My older brother was experienced and willing to teach me. I learned by watching him make the repairs and then doing what he said to do. In the same way, the believer must supplement his or her virtue with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. My brother shared his tools with me and showed me what they were for. To follow Peter's instruction, one must understand the tools and their purpose. Self-control is the ability to regulate one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors in the face of temptation. The devil made me do it is no longer an option. Steadfastness is a word that describes commitment. The maturing believer is unwaveringly committed to whatever it will take to conform to the image of Christ. Godliness describes the signs of one's conformity to, I- to the image of Christ. And brotherly affection, in this case, means the believer is willing to see all persons as potential sisters and brothers in Christ. Love, as Peter states it, is the perfect love for God and others that is born out of personal holiness, shaped by the Holy Spirit. If we are steadfast in our commitment to developing 2020 Christian vision in 2020, then we must be willing to accept Christ as Savior and Lord. If we have not already done so, then we must begin the new life we've been given. As we walk in God's grace, we receive knowledge that changes our worldview. Our changed worldview causes us to behave with virtues we may not have known we were capable of. In the same way, we will eventually be overwhelmed with compassion and love for others that was once unimaginable. The Lord will send teachers and elders to guide our journey to to perfect love for God and others. And we will learn to manage corruption and rebuild our lives. And we will live in God's glory and excellence. Let us pray. Oh God, bless the word that has been conveyed through this message that I have written and spoken. Bless those who hear it by anointing their hearing. Please burn away anything that did not come directly from you so that all they remember are the words of truth and love that came from your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.